0: Now, Podcast One brings you Spike's Car Radio, a downloadable cars and coffee hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. All right, here
1: we are, Spike's Car Radio. We have uh, another, another Porsche-centric show for you. I'm very excited. I'm on a Porsche... Porsche centric December show run right now. Uh, we had Rod Emery a few weeks back. Um, we had Jerry come visit us out in the porch in Malibu, and this week we have I don't know the Porsche geeks. Porsche geek Jeff Zwart. We're going to get uh, to chat with him about everything super he's geek. doing and uh, try not to talk over me, sucker. It's really annoying. While in the middle of talking, you just say super geek. <laughs> like, I'll do my best. <laughs> do 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 your best. You I know what? Do. You know what I've been thinking about. Um, Except you, you know, see, my whole train of thought is off now. You, you, you just like you threw a knife right into my forehead. What the hell? Okay, I, I fucked You everything should know. Up. You should know how to do this better by now, Zuckerman. All right, when someone's talking, you don't you don't jump in. You can jump in now anytime you want. Anyway, here's I'm what – you know, I'm actually very happy you're here today. We're in Beverly Hills, um, not just because we have Jeff ward on. I keep thinking about this. I don't know if you folks have heard about John Cena. You know John Cena, the professional wrestler. Uh, he's got his own uh, – por- uh, not Porsche podcast. It's a car podcast on YouTube, um, video podcast, video show. I don't know, whatever you call that. I've actually invited him here. Zuckerman, to come in and chat with us. And I believe he's coming on in January or February. I I like John Cena. My kids love John Cena. He's got this car thing going on and he's getting sued by Ford because apparently he bought this new Ford GT and then resold it quickly, right? The idea being, I guess, there was a uh, – if you you agreed to buy one of these cars, if you applied and they said you uh, were allowed to buy one of these half-million-dollar cars, you couldn't sell it for – two years. Otherwise,
0: they uh, – you, you're in breach of contract, right? As well, a
1: lawyer, does any of this make sense to you? Of course it
0: makes sense. There's, there's plenty of these things. First of all, we have to start with the premise, uh, long held, that brains and beauty are mutually exclusive. Uh, Don't so <laughs> so make
1: fun of John Cena. I love John Cena. John, is, he's a great guy. I he, don't understand. He's a
0: great guy. A, he looks like a human cartoon character. No,
1: I love him. I, here's what I love about John Cena. All right, he's funny. He's he's got one of the funniest scenes in comedy in the movie Trainwreck with Amy Schumer.
0: I understand. Do you know that? that? Yes, and that brilliant yes.
1: observation that when guys fight suddenly that that what they're trash talking. Yeah. It sounds gay. They start. Yeah. You know what I mean? That scene is so funny to me. I and he does it. So I, he really surprised me in that movie. Then I see he's collecting cars and talking about cars on YouTube. And so he gets this 4GT. I mean just let's just have a general conversation before we dig down into the
0: legal. It,
1: it, what what's the can you buy a car and sell it whenever you want? What what's
0: this all about? <sighs> Ah uh, well, Mister Farerson is. Remember the you know the old. The, I think you once told me a joke about a friend of yours who bought a very expensive house from another rich guy. Right, and then he knocked the house down, and the and the and the seller came yes. up to him and said, "Oh my God, everybody's talking about what you did to my house." That's and, right, and then and then the guy who knocked the house down said, "Well, all my friends are talking about what you did with my money." Right, and that's a, <laughs> that. That is a great line. You yes. know, once you, once you have ownership rights. You have those rights. However, cars are a different story. With a lot of dealerships, a lot of supercars, they want to limit the purchaser from doing certain things. We know, for example, that uh, you know China has very high duties and tariffs on on cars that come in, and there are strict rules about about dealerships in the states selling cars. To say Chinese nationals or other people who then will import them as a used car and avoid all of the tariffs and that then interferes with the dealers uh, ability to market their own new cars they have right. a competing flow of cars so we know Bentley we know Range Rover we know all these companies will tell you that uh, you make you sign a document that you're not going to export the car you buy and right you No, I understand
1: that that part of it but the I I have not heard of this happening just yet ever. You know, we we know plenty of guys who are buying and flipping Porsches, right? Well, we know that the 918 918- But you never you, you, usually you get thrown out of the VIP program right. or or some Little thing that we never really hear about, right? Okay, so I would. But this have is the to. first time they're going to take a guy to court, right?
0: And they're doing a great job of it too. <laughs> I think I. I, I don't aff- think it's right. It feels it feels very wrong well, to me. John didn't have to buy the car. He didn't have to buy the car. See, there's two documents. We have one of those documents. Yeah, I, I obtained, and I'm not going to say who I got it through, but I got what is this? The, the affidavit for eligibility. This is your first date. This is the application to even be considered to buy right. the four GT. Yes, and. And it's three pages. It's three. I pa- read through it.
1: It didn't really cover the reselling of the car, right? And that's in that is in paragraph what, six what, what, of this document. But what made me laugh was the notary public. It's got to be notarized. I, you know, I always
0: <laughs> laugh like this guy's going to come in like the notary is like some grand wizard that makes it all official. <laughs> Who are notaries in general? Zachary? Okay, notaries. <laughs> In in Latin American countries, the notary is held in higher regard than the lawyer is. Really? Yeah, you have to wow. be a super. What about what about here? Here, that's like the guy that, <laughs> that gets your you know mailbox, etc. The angry <laughs> the angry postal guy <laughs> can can make your document and, and official. What, and what does it do? Does it, it really do make th- Make the document? It doesn't do anything. It's it's being <laughs> a notary.
1: Just, have you ever put an, a notary on a stand and cross examine him and? J- it must be child's
0: play, right? Well, they never honor the – They never they, do. They never honor all of the things no. that they're supposed to do in order to officially do it. Uh, but sometimes um, – It's an intimidation thing. That it is, but it's right? – So
1: in this case, what they're saying it's,
0: is – to me, when I look at that,
1: that I, we're going to take this document very seriously. Well, right? yeah,
0: but it's also it's, – it's, it's, what you're also seeing are lawyers are reflexive creatures and they're creatures of habit. So at some point it was important to have documents notified in like 1910 and we're still doing it today because that's the way it was always done. Uh, now in this day and age with good ID, with all of the modern identification and public records we have, you don't really need a notary. Right. Well, let's get back to John Cena. So John Cena drives this car for
1: a while. He did a little uh, video with it. Right. And that, then he wants to sell it. Right. And he knows he's flying in the face of this contract. It's a legal contract that he's supposed to hold it for for two years. Well, I, I've it, been trying okay. to track down that contract, yeah, because by the what, way. So, to, so the well, wait, well, one second. I've been trying to track down that contract just to find out the damages part of it.
0: Right. If if buyer does sell in the, in under 2 years this will happen to you well yes because this is with this first thing we're looking at is with Ford and it says it says specifically that the dealerships will be able to make their own contracts with the purchaser it says here that if we say that you can buy one of these cars you're then going to go to a dealership and the dealership and you are going to work out the terms about resales Really? So or is I, that the first sale well, price?
1: Well, I thought I th- that was said it was going to work out the details of the sale price. Oh, the,
0: well, you, yeah, but the, the seller, I believe that the seller, and I don't know if, it, it, I, I'd have to, you know what we should do? If I'm going to pull the lawsuit. I'm going to get the lawsuit. <laughs> now we're, getting now we're, get now to, we're now getting. now we're going to get. Now we're going to stop somewhere. speculating because all of the good stuff is going to be attached to the lawsuit. And, and you can w- just get that. Can you should, get anybody's lawsuits unless it's under seal, which is usually with you know very you know something that involves minors or is highly sensitive. But this should be also. You know, Ford is going to home court everybody because under paragraph number nine, you your lawsuit you're going to get sued in Lansing, Michigan. <laughs> so. <laughs> Where they probably fly there?
1: Is John Cena going to have to fly to Lansing?
0: Or his attorney is. I have a feeling his attorney is. Does he even fit in a plane? I have a a feeling
1: this is all going to go away. That this is all smoking mirrors. It's called money. This was headlines. They have not, you know, I was reading on Road and Tracks coverage of it. uh, Ford has not sought to undo the sale from Cena to his buyer. So they haven't really done anything to stop that. So doesn't this say to you, like, a lot of bluster a lot of headlines and at the end of the day this is a a call between a couple lawyers and they go look just don't do it again well
0: it's more publicity what Ford is Ford's educating the marketplace that you guys cannot that that speculators can't get involved that if you want to move this car on go back to your dealer work out a deal with the dealership that when it gets sold you guys will split the profits or or whatever, but we, you know, we've all experienced uh, the black market in Porsches, mm-hmm. uh, all sorts of cars we want, where middlemen are making a fortune That's right. um, buying and flipping. So I had this-
1: someone offer me a 911R, one of the new ones, for $89,000 last week. That's how far <laughs> those cars have fallen. It's insane. Well, this, uh, this definitely pull that lawsuit. I would love to see it, and we'll try to uh, – you know what we'll do? We'll try to squeeze it in on top of next week's show. I'm going to do. We're doing two shows today, so we won't be able to to to, to maybe do that unless we come back
0: or somehow. I'll, I'll take, need. Uh, give me a week to get the lawsuit, and then what okay, I'm going to do right. is I'm going to call Ford's lawyer and I'm going to tell <laughs> Ford's lawyer that we want to talk to him on the podcast and have him explain what Ford's what Ford's position is on this. I love that. That would be great. Yeah,
1: Zuckerman, earning his keep. All right. Uh, Jeff Swart, I just saw, walked in. Hey, hey, Jeff, do you want to come in here? You know Jeff Swart, Zuckerman, of right? Course. Of course.
0: Everybody knows Everybody Jeff Everybody
1: knows Jeff
0: Swart. He is multi-ta- He's He's a he multi-talented is. guy. How are you, How are, you, <laughs> How are you,
1: buddy? Come on in. Sit down. Thanks for coming in. If the name doesn't ring a bell, here's a quick bio. Filmmaker, photographer, race driver, Uh, you've worked for BMW, Porsche, Mercedes, shooting some of the most memorable automotive commercials of the modern era. Wow. Wow, it's pretty great. Here, wow. talk into that microphone. Okay. You've got to get close right. here. Got it. Um, we've known each other for a long time. Um, and thanks for coming in, man. It's, yeah. it's good to yeah, have it's you here. it's good to be here finally. Yeah, <laughs> finally. We just, we just started doing these things. What do you mean, finally?
2: <laughs> uh, I've circled around your world for a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Right. We never
1: had you on Car... You would have been on Car Matchmaker Season 4 in two seconds. You know, the network, when we were doing that show, always said, you know, you're doing... Too much Porsche stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so it would have been perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I know. Uh, but uh, they go, yeah, not everybody can afford Porsche. They go, I go, I totally understand, but a lot of people really like them, and the yeah. car thing is aspirational anyway.
2: I do live in other worlds, too, You do. So um, that's for sure. You know,
1: sure. I was reading up on you this morning, and there was this uh, detail about you I didn't know. You were born in Long Beach, California, which I yeah. did know, and you learned to drive in your dad's 1964 Porsche 901. Yeah. Chassis number 35. Cut it out. Come on.
0: Was this guy just knighted? (laughs) Was he just, it was all destiny. He walked up to the rock, he pulled the sword out, and everything else was history. Do you
1: Um, still have that car? Where is that car?
0: And why did your dad have that car?
2: It's an interesting story because, uh, you know, my father had the only new Porsche he ever bought was in 1964, a 356C. Right. And so he was pretty hooked to the brand, but. I think that was the only moment he could really buy a new one. Wow. And so we bought a used nine eleven probably in about nineteen sixty seven, nineteen sixty-eight. And, you know, without really thinking it was a used nine eleven, and we knew it was an early nine eleven, and we got it serviced at Fossick Pollock, So it kind of was in the dealership there because, you know, they knew what to do with six cylinder cars, obviously, and and that was one of the rare six cylinder, you know, cars yeah. at that time. Yeah. And uh It was kind of later that it became really apparent that this was chassis 35, and I remember going to Riverside Raceway to one of the Porsche owner club things, and there was like chassis 29, and that was the first time that my dad was kind of aware, well, I've got 35. Well, we're really (laughs) early on the scene here. And uh, And what did your dad do? My dad was a mechanical engineer, but he specialized in plastics, and uh, so he... uh, kind of was in that whole, you know, one word, plastics. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, we lived on the East Coast, West Coast, kind of lived all over uh, because of his emerging field at the time.
1: And are you based in Colorado too? Uh, I I was. We were
2: based as a family, based in Colorado for about 25 years, but we're full-time back here in Southern California. But my dad had this car, and uh, when the morning came to learn to drive, he came downstairs and he says, you know – I think that today. What gonna, year is this? This is be 1970—1971. nineteen seventy-one. Seventy-one. So yeah, so um, he came downstairs, and he, we had two cars in the family. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, a Volkswagen Beetle and the and uh, the the nine eleven, nineteen sixty-four. Those are the family cars. Yeah, those are family cars. So I'm figuring, you know, my destiny is the Volkswagen. But he comes down and says, you know, I think we'll take, and I'm on the edge of my seat, (laughs) we're going to take the uh, 911 because it has more horsepower and you won't stall it so much. Wow. So so, um, we went out uh, to the Los Alamitos racetrack, which was the horse racing track, parking lot. And I just remember settling into that car and that wooden steering wheel, mm. and and your feet are offset. And I'd obviously witnessed from the back seat with my parents in that car years of driving with my father, but to then take that moment of pull it back into that awkward first yeah. gear position and right. let the clutch out and nothing to hit and go. And so. That was it. And and then, and you know, for and me. And how did you
1: do? Did you do well? I think I did pretty well. So I did pretty well. Was what pretty did your dad say to you?
2: I just remember. you natural? Was, You're going to race soon? You're going to
1: race up mountains? <laughs> time, time, time Was washes there any away was there inkling of yeah. your racing talent at that point uh, as a I
2: young driver? It. I doubt <laughs> it. I, I know there was always that aspiration. I but. think they
0: just made the two millionth 9 yeah. 11. Is that right? Uh, and oh, so boy. for people to understand that, the, was it the first hundred? were called 901s. Yeah, Peugeot, actually slightly less than 100. Yeah, and then, then Peugeot came it. along and said, you can't have a zero yeah. in the center. It's got to no. be. They owned yeah, it. Yeah, they own 901. So to have a 901 in the 35th of two, what is now two million cars, <laughs> wow. it's the holy grail that we would all die to, to even touch. And you're and you're just driving around the racetrack. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's such an unbelievable He's learning story to drive yeah, on. And then,
1: you know, That's it, what the car was meant to do. Of of that's course, what it was. But we all and, know
0: now what the value of it is and what yeah, it Historical artifact. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And
2: it really, you know, in the, the scope of my world as it did play out and has continued to play out, it really was something very special. Yeah, so. that's,
1: you know, it reminds me of our friend Sam Cabiglio, who uh, was driven, uh, he drove his son Gianni Indeed. home, right, in right. a Testarossa. Yeah. yeah, right. You know, it's those little stories <laughs> yeah. I love so much, and now he's working with Seinfeld. Um, what does Porsche mean at that point? Like, do you have any recollection as a kid in the, like, in the 60s, in the late 60s? Are the, how, how do those cars, are they valuable cars? Are they, you know, what? You know, it was. It are was they interesting. as, as re- revered as they are right now? I don't or? think so, because
2: right. I remember when my dad bought the three hundred and fifty six; it was a choice. You know, right. it was like we can get along with a smaller car. I'd kind of like a sports car, so that's what we're going to have. Uh-huh. You know, and, and what is your mom driving? And my mom was driving a Volkswagen Beetle. We had four or five Volkswagen Beetles growing no kidding. up. Wow! And uh, so Coolest that was just ever. kind of a kind of that story, <laughs> and and. Uh, the the thing that I remember So this
1: early but this early nine eleven, right? Yeah. You know what I'm getting to. Is there was there any like, sense that this might be collectible. Like, four years after this '64 came out, like, we've got a collectible 911. No, there was think none what, of that. But think think no. what
0: everyone else in the neighborhood was driving. Yeah. You must have been well, weirdos <laughs> in I Well, well. we were. <laughs> but you know, um,
2: Freeman, Thomas, Freeman <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thomas and I grew up together. Oh, well, you did? And so, that. and so the funny thing is. Well, is well is that, explain that, who he is quickly. Yeah, Freeman he's, Thomas uh, is famous probably car one designer. of the most talented car designers right. out there. Uh, created the Volkswagen Beetle, the Audi the TT. The new Yeah, you know, he's kind of. He's been around it all. And he's he's very big on the
1: Porsche scene. Yeah,
2: he's big on the Porsche scene. But the thing that I remember when you talk about that is that we'd go out onto the corner in the evening on our Stingray bicycles to watch cars come into the neighborhood or whatever. And it was that sound of a 911 that you were so attracted to. So when you say, what was the attraction of the Porsche? It was really that sound and then the attachment of Porsche to racing because I was already hooked on racing. My my parents took me to the first race I ever went to in my life which was the 1964 Indy 500 and took me in the back of that 356C that they'd bought just a few weeks before. So as a kid driving halfway across the country in the back of a wow, car that my yeah. dad had just gotten. Without seatbelts? Well, and then to walk into <laughs> the Indy 500, which was you know, yeah. the largest spectator event in the world mm-hmm. with 350,000, 450,000 people, come, in, come into that and just see racing in that way. I was totally hooked to racing, so... You naturally wanted a brand that in the same way was hooked to it, and that's where Porsche came from. But it was the sound.
1: Yeah, the sound at first. Uh, also, that little drop, the Stingray bikes. Is yeah. that the Schwinn?
2: <laughs> well, Freeman always tells the story that mine was a Schwinn and his was a Huffy. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it summed it up. What did you have?
1: Because I had a Schwinn. I had hand-me-down bikes a yeah. lot, and, and my favorite was the Schwinn orange cr- Crate. Oh, I remember with that. With five-speed yeah. yeah. shifter right Didn't in the that. center to get you and little tiny <laughs> wheel <laughs> yeah. to I get just, to what
0: to get you that shifter in the center. Yeah. Remember it was hurts. A, it yeah. does hurt. <laughs> you- I
1: did. You know, I have no supervision whatsoever growing up. So to me, that was the bike that I did jumps on. Like we made ramps and we I jumped that bike with that tiny front wheel. I, I off roaded that thing. That was the most incredible bicycle yeah. i i ever had what was i yours? delivered
2: newspapers
1: you d- so you right. know you
2: kind of had those handlebars right. and you put the bags over there and well there it also vocals. had
1: shot it had the banana seat yeah. and had yeah. shocks in the back yeah. it had all of these things <laughs> that were carry and mm-hmm. especially that shifter yeah. and i was dead yeah i mean this is the greatest <laughs> thing that i've that i've ever owned right? yeah you
2: know that was so the connection was the sound so it was good
1: what is uh what's the moment where you know you're going to be a race car driver but you're actually going to race? I mean, I, how soon did you go into racing and where was it uh where did it begin for you?
2: You know, it started kind of on my editorial days where I was working for uh, magazines and the magazines uh you know would send you on assignments and one of the assignment series was going and doing stories on racing schools. And so I went and attended three different racing schools, Jim Russell School, British School of Motor Racing, and the Bondurant School. Mm-hmm. And each one of those, the rider and I kind of immersed, immersed ourselves into the program. So we actually kind of sent, quasi went through the program at the same time. And every racing school I went through, the instructor would tell you the same thing. You know, you really should do this. You're really pretty good. Really? And, but in my head, it was like, <laughs> I'm a photographer. You know, I've got to go on with my life and everything. Yeah. He's just saying that,
1: right? Because we all hear yeah, these things a lot. He's just saying that, right? He so, wants me to take good pictures and write something nice.
2: <laughs> but but the side of it was that, you know, I kind of got a lot of seat time through that. And then right. I eventually went and did the – there was a pro Formula Ford series on the west coast that I kind of started driving Formula Fords. and. And usually did pretty well in it, but still didn't kind of equate that all mm-hmm. together of how it was going to work. And and uh, then, you know, in my world of filmmaking and, and uh, photography, you use precision drivers. Well, my main precision driver was Rod Millen. And Rod Millen basically, you know, was the rally guy in the U.S., John Buffum and Rod always kind of went head to head to each other and rod had the Mazda the program and it was rod and his brother steve both who kind of witnessed me on the other side of in rental cars and racing around and chasing around on back roads where we were shooting said you know you're you're really pretty good why don't we build you a rally car so mm-hmm. rod was the one who kind of prodded me built my first rally car and that was in 1988 and in 1990 i was open class national champion in the rally championship and that kind of hooked me to
1: winning has that effect yeah. on people yeah. being but a champion <laughs> but the funny thing was is that hooked you yeah. you know i might keep doing this now <laughs> that i'm the champion well the, the funny thing that
2: happened is that that i finished that season and I'd won the championship in the Mazda. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, I just would feel so much cooler if I could do it in a Porsche. And at the same time, the Carrera 4 came along oh, there you in, go. in 1990. And mm-hmm. so basically, I saw that car, and I thought, well, maybe we could work that out. And so in 93, we came back and basically ran a Carrera 4 and then the rest is history because Pikes Peak and all now, that. Now who's so.
1: the uh, who's the racing team? Like are you making money doing this or are you um, it, who, it, kind it, of paying kind for of, it yeah, yourself? How money. does it work? <laughs> it turned, oh, I'm, curi- <laughs> I'm always curious because I mean growing up I had fantasies of wanting to race yeah. and it you know now that I, I'm closer to it I see a lot of it is either you gotta have deep bank account big bank account you gotta pay for it yourself and yeah. maybe if you're successful you get sponsors and if you're like Pat Long you get on a team and somebody yeah. else is paying for it yeah. so how did it work for you?
2: Well uh, I was actually kind of fortunate because the world I was in was advertising, mm-hmm. and you know, editorial work uh, kind of on a secondary level. So naturally, the best thing you can do for racing is provide natural promotion through editorial stories and things like that. Then having the connections with the clients that literally, my when I came back with the Porsche in '93. I had friends at Valvoline because of my connections with, with the advertising side of the world. And so they sponsored my rally championship. Mm-hmm. And then it was kind of a interesting thing because in 94, I also went and ran Pikes Peak for the first time. And I won Pikes Peak, uh, won the class of Pikes Peak in the Valvoline car. So at the end of 94, I thought, this is good. I've got this thing dialed. <laughs> I'm going to be going on from here. Well, at the end of the season, they said – You know, we got more press out of you running Pikes Peak than we did out of the whole rally championship. Wow. Because at that time, rallying was held mostly at night, and it wasn't Mm -hmm. very, you know, it was tough to photograph and promote. Well, so the good news, bad news, they said, well, all we want to do is Pikes Peak the next year. And so <laughs> I, lost, I lost the whole thing. And so, the win-lose. <laughs> yeah. So, Why? so Why? that kind of is where it came from. And then in 90s, in I won again at Pikes Peak in 95 and in 96. And so then at that point, uh, Portia said to me, you've got quite a bit of success here um, with the rallying and the hill climbing that you're doing. Um But Valvoline isn't a good fit for us so much from a marketing standpoint Mm -hmm. because Mobile One was connected so tight. So they uh, stepped up and connected me with Mobile One, and from that point on, it was a Mobile One program
1: at Pikes Peak. Got it. Will, Will, do we need to take a break? Are we there? All right. Let's take a break, and we'll be back with more Jeff Swart on Spikes Car Radio. Let's talk about Amsoil. You know why I like Amsoil? Because they're a bunch of car people. They're gearheads. They're into all kinds of power sports, and basically they get it. Recently, Amsoil created the guide to increasing horsepower in your vehicle. It has insider tips from some of the best in the business on coaxing more power out of your engine. And who doesn't want that? You can get your copy free at amsoil.com spike. That's my last name, amsoil.com spike. While there, find out more about Amsoil Synthetic Motor Oil, too. Like how Amsoil Signature Series Synthetic Motor Oil delivers 75% more engine protection against horsepower loss and wear than required by a leading industry standard. Go to Amsoil.com spike to get your free insider's guide to increasing horsepower. Hey, it's Jay Moore, and it is time for
2: America's Lakers Podcast. That's right. I'm going to be hosting America's Lakers Podcast. My man, Aaron Larsoul, an analytical genius, he's going to bring to the table what I can't every Wednesday.
1: Aaron. Yes. This is the official podcast of the Los Angeles Lakers. We are, and as the analytics expert on this podcast, I want to actually give you some props, Jay, because you were interrupting me at 42% of all sentences, and you're down to 34.
0: What would you attribute this reduction to? I'm down to what now? 35%.
1: 35. I interrupted you again. There's the gold standard and the purple and gold standard.
0: America's Lakers podcast with me, Jay Moore, and my man, my brother, Aaron Larsoul, every Wednesday, podcast1.com. You're listening to Spikes Car Radio. Welcome back. We're here with
1: Jeff Swart, the Porsche geeks, Porsche geek, <laughs> and of course, the real Zuckerman. Go ahead, Zuckerman, ask away. You had a question. <laughs> well, I you have asked remote, Mr. The Mr. most important question. I have all all so many questions, but go. Okay, like,
0: here's the most important. Are you a better filmmaker or a better race car driver? Because I just don't think it's fair that you get to be successful in two areas. Why do you get to be, like, so great in two things?
2: Well, I, the funny thing is I say my life is like high-speed location scouting. Right. So basically I'm always looking for roads to shoot on but I'm always looking for roads to drive fast on and they kind of feed each other. And I think the racing side of things has been really good for me because it's influenced my filmmaking in a way. You know, I have a first person experience of putting a car on an absolute edge on a 14,000 foot peak and all the dynamics of a car doing that. And I constantly am asked by clients to visually interpret their car to tell a performance story or you know whatever story it may be so that first person experience through my racing is basically influencing my filmmaking as to what is comes naturally the most unintimidating thing in my life is a car so it's nice to be able to have that kind of experience with it so for me jumping in a car and going flat out down a road is as natural as Putting my on eye piece of a camera to chase it, but I think that I hope I'm a better filmmaker than a race driver. <laughs> well, yeah, we love your commercials. Yeah.
1: You've been doing so much so much great work. I, I remember, I think the first time I, my entry point was through Jerry, and yeah. when we you were shooting that Panamera family box. Porsche yeah. family tree commercial, yeah. and I brought. Uh, The Tangerine RS, which was Jerry's and was then mine, and now Zuckerman owns that. Um, I remember I got a lot of road rash on that commercial. (laughs) (laughs) Front end paint. I never heard that. I want some money back. Why do you think I sold it? (laughs) But it was such a cool day because you were down in um, Um, El Toro. El Toro, right? And giant, giant Air Force hangars filled with just beautiful, the cream of the crop sucker. I mean, these beautiful Porsches. Wow. A lot of that's on YouTube, right? You yeah. can look that stuff up and, and look at those videos.
2: That was considered the first Renz
1: reunion. <laughs> <laughs> and you had that... Uh, was it the Cayenne, the cayenne with the arm? the arm? What do you guys uh, yeah. call that That's camera? That's a high-speed camera. Car, high-speed camera. And yeah. helicopters with big cameras. I mean, it yeah. was just you're in heaven all day long, <laughs> and there's hot coffee. Yeah. You're right. sitting <laughs> with these cars. You're watching these machines. It was really, really cool. I remember thinking, about how are you keeping track of any of this? Like, no, at I know. that point? It was, it was, did you have that whole thing storyboarded out? Did you yeah. know what you were going for? I, and,
2: I had, had everything storyboarded. We and,
1: had, Wait, are you in the helicopter or are you in the car?
2: I was in the car, in the helicopter on the ground. I was kind of everywhere. But we kind of treated it, as you maybe remember, like football plays where Mm -hmm. this group of cars will split right, this group of cars will split left. We had as many as 25 cars at a time on the move. So that means 25 people on walkie-talkies waiting for their cues and all that stuff. So it was very complicated. And the funny part was that my biggest fear through all of this is that after my entire career of what I've done I will only be remembered for running the 5 million dollar car into the 7 million dollar <laughs> car you know that kind of moment right and fortunately it never happened and and the the other funny part was is that you know I was of course very panicked throughout the days that something would happen and I saw my grip coming to me at this on the second day and he had a look on his face that I knew it wasn't going to be good. Mm-hmm. And as he's coming to me, he come, stands in front of me and says, yeah, I damaged one of the cars. Oof. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm going through my head. Mm-hmm. And, you knew, Which, and you knew all the yeah, players. Yeah, know right. what's Real there. big he said, metal. He said... It's your car, <laughs> <laughs> oh. and that was the best news <laughs> I ever. Had. And what did he do to the car? What happened to it? Uh, they uh, I, they cracked the windshield with. Uh, oh, it's not so bad. Models. Yeah, yeah. So it was just funny though. I it just
1: was... remember it was a, it was such an interesting group of guys. You know, some of the biggest. You know, it was like Ren Sport reunion. Yeah, yeah. So you've got all these big deal collectors, and then you've got these professional drivers. And it was well, this little dance with hey, can I drive my car? Mm, yeah. And you know, that's where I was looking at the logistics of it, like. You know your professional drivers are going to be okay. Everybody's going to be on a radio, but these other guys, they don't, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what to yeah. cue and action and how to drive and how to do it. It just seems like it's such a logistical nightmare. And you pulled it off so wonderfully, and the commercial was really, really great. Still yeah. is one of those really memorable car commercials and, yeah. and really neat. Hey,
2: I, the, the funny, th- the kind of the compliment to that commercial, I heard from Porsche Design in Visok basically that they still use that commercial to internally launch new products. Right. So they drop a new car into that. And if it they doesn't should. fit into that DNA that we presented for the launch of the Panamera, then it's probably not going to work. And I thought wow. that's so cool that, you know, here years yeah. later, they're still using it to kind of launch new products.
1: That's the, that's, that's, they should be doing that for the rest of the life of the company, yeah. right? Yeah, they're, they're cool. they Drop everything else in it. Are you shooting new stuff for them right now? Are you still working with the factory?
2: Yeah, I, I work with them. Uh, the last projects I did were at the last Sport reunion. We did four films for them. Mm-hmm. out of that um You know, a lot of the stuff comes out of Germany now. So, but I've been kind of, I've done a lot of interesting projects this year, not necessarily with Porsche, but continue to shoot for everybody.
1: And Rent Sport Reunion, for those who don't know, is the big Porsche Woodstock. (laughs) Now every two years, right? (laughs) Woodstock of racing. (laughs) Woodstock of racing. The next one is next year, right? Next fall. Uh It's right after uh, the Monterey Car Week sometime, right? When Mm -hmm. is it? September, October, somewhere there. And uh, we'll all be out there driving cars. And it's mostly focused on racing. Yep. Are, 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 are does do you know of any plans Porsche has for that? Other are you, you know, doing know, anything I, for them you know,
2: or you can, I we're talking about doing different things. Mm-hmm. Obviously next year is also the seventieth anniversary for Porsche. So just given that, given that there's a lot of <clears> focus <throat> Uh, yeah, all over yeah. the world on, on events, not just on Rensport. Right, right. And, uh, you know, it's it's the largest single brand gathering in the world, so mm-hmm. it's a pretty epic weekend no matter That's
0: what. It's going to be amazing. So Ferrari is just one or two years old. We yeah, the they 70, just had their 70th. And you have a Porsche that might be 70 years old at that point. Almost. The Gamont. Yeah, wow. yeah, almost. That's a 49, car. so wow. yeah.
2: one year from then. So
1: Tell us about your Gamont.
2: Oh, well, you know, for me, I think being so close to the brand, it was kind of important to have these bookends. Right. You know, and there's always the latest, greatest out there. Yeah, I saw but, you pull up <laughs> in a Target today. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>, that's true. A <laughs> 991 Target. Yeah. So, I was
1: surprised, a surprise, surprise, surprising choice. Why did you get the Targa? Uh, because, that doesn't seem like a purist car.
2: Uh, well, it's a blending car because currently in my family, we have a Macan. And a Targa, okay, and so it's and they're neither one are like my wife's car or my car. Got it. So we kind of bounce so between you, the two, you, and I actually think it's probably the most perfect balance, yeah. You know, pair of Porsches I've ever owned, and mm-hmm. the, and the Macan is so entertaining to drive. The Targa is entertaining. Which to Macan drive. did you get? The S, the yes. S. But I tow with it. I haul things. I do everything. It's an amazing it thing to do with the Cayenne, right? Except that it's you know. Fun and nimble and different than the Cayenne, so uh, you know the Cayenne is so capable and so good, but the Macan is just that much more sporty. So, so the mo- cool. so
1: so that those are the newest ones you have. There's yeah, nothing yeah, newer than yeah, that, and yeah. then you have the beginning of the Porsche story, the Gamund. Yeah, tell tell. Not everybody knows what you're talking about when you say that word Gamund. They think it's a Smurf term of some <laughs> kind. The <laughs> 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 Gamund Smurfs. Quick to the Gamund. Yeah, so, you know, well, but it, it, try to explain it to people who don't know what we're talking about.
2: You know, it's it's. After the war, the family was still living in Austria, and, uh, you know, they were in this village called Gmund, Austria, and there was a wood shop kind of working wood, wood mill there that was there, and they kind of took over the building and started building the cars they'd always wanted to build that they couldn't build during the war, and uh, they're hand-formed, they're working with materials and things that were available to them, so aluminum. Uh, hand formed over wooden bucks so they're quite rough the way the Mm -hmm. cars were built but they essentially built 50 of them. They were, you know, pretty much so a Volkswagen engine with a little extra, you know, instead of having 25 horsepower, it has 29 horsepower, you know. But but when you think about that relative turn. That's, that's it.
1: 20%. Yeah, yeah. That's wow.
0: right. It,
2: that's the thing is that's 20% more than a Volkswagen And when Volkswagen you look engine.
1: at some of these cars, especially, you know, they they kind of look like something that's like the Flintstone, Flintstone version of a Porsche. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> proto. Like, yeah. Very proto. Yeah, they, they, yeah. they look like they came off a movie set yeah. of some kind. Yeah, it's
2: really because it, it's familiar in its shape but then you walk around it and everything's different yeah yeah and even um, amongst the gamoons you know the 50 that were produced there every one varies from the one before there's no uh, there's probably a few that are alike but generally speaking it was a very much an evolution and you think about it they had this number of taillights, so they used it till they ran out of those, and then they used the different taillights, right? Right. Different license plate lights and different, you know, ways of, of um, you know, bringing the metal together. So it constantly did evolve.
1: And and so your car, how long have you had your car? I've
2: probably had it for about eight or nine years. And you what know, number is it? Number fifty. So it's the wow. last, technically the last one that come from the Austria. The last so, uh, That's
1: going to be the title of the episode. Well, <laughs> we're going to call it the Last Gamund. <laughs> By the way, that Seinfeld was hammering us that we need to name the episodes. He's so critical when he comes on this podcast. Critical, he's very yes. critical.
0: Yeah. What is with that?
1: I don't, he's you, you got to name these. You got to name these. You, na- <laughs> what? I don't have to do anything. You leave me alone. You inviting anybody on who wants to come on? Next time we're going to invite all of us on comedians and cars getting coffee. Next time we're all together. All right. You you're two playing, Jeffs award. You're award. And you're I'll on. shoot it. I'll and, shoot we'll, it. And, and we'll name. We'll his tell show. him how to do his show. <laughs> <Yes>. Stop <laughs> editing so much, Jerry. You're so cutty. You're cutting everything up. He's going to kill me for saying all this. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Jerry. Just joking. Anyway, um, I wanted to get back to rally driving because as you were talking about it, I don't know about you, Zuckerman, but rally driving, when he – <laughs> he added the detail of night. <laughs> like, it's already terrifying to me, the idea of hurtling down dirt roads near trees because that's usually where you die when the car <laughs> hits the tree, right? Now he's saying night I like, and, the, and I also like the you can hit pedestrians too because they like that's, to stand right. Bonus, right? That's a bonus right at the <this> side. <laughs> but that's only okay. in Nordic countries and South America <laughs> right. that that happens, and they seem to have a good time doing it. But how how do you feel comfortable? Like, you know, any sort of rating, racing, you make mistakes in the beginning, yeah, right? Yeah. How do you feel comfortable making those mistakes rally driving? Well, because yeah, you can die. You can no. go off a cliff, right? <laughs>
2: it, it, it is a little uh, risky at places. But, you know, the the thing is, is But in what rally- are you feeling
1: when you're driving? Well, you, you, you- but
2: in rallying, you know, it's not like road racing where somebody's trying to dive in under you no. or outbreak you or do things like that. So it's kind of you against the road. But obviously, if you want to try to win, you got to go flat out. And I think that. That's the thing is that for for rallying it was an adventure and surprisingly the US championship at the time was run at night for safety reasons. <laughs> Which, oh, that's so safe. <laughs> yeah. So, and the safety reasons were: well, there are less people on the roads that could potentially end up on the roads that oh, they were no. supposed to be closed. And the other side
1: is you'd see their headlights if it was a problem, you know? Right. Well, you know,
2: I don't know about that. <laughs> Great logic. But, Did uh, you have a co-pilot? That yeah. to
1: me is the worst job in racing. Is that guy who goes I, left, two degrees right, I, left, left, I, right? I totally agree. And then throws up. Yeah, no, <laughs> that, that's totally the agree. craziest yeah. job in all of racing. So you I, had I, that too. Yeah, I had great But you've never riders. had any terrible crashes? Or... Well, you
2: know, I've gone off the road a
1: few times, but nothing
2: too bad. Nothing too bad. You talk about, you know, U.S. didn't have, like, big spectator groups. Right, right. I went and ran in the World Championship Rally in New Zealand. And I just remember coming over the first crest in the rally. And after running in the U.S. where, you know, you'd see, like, 20 people all night long, I came over the first crest and literally the road was walled on both sides with people. Oh, and no. it was just so... You know overwhelming that yeah. you know of course you aren't going to be driving at ten tenths with that kind of experience, and so so you know it definitely had to pull back and i i didn't like driving around people, but in a world championship rally, it was very much a part of it.
1: Right. So. And now, you know, it's funny. You, I told you, I think recently when I bumped into you somewhere, that you're, uh, you were on my wife and kids' radar because <laughs> they visited Pikes Peak.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: And they were like, we're in this place and they have a race here. Do you know who Jeff Swart is? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know Jeff Swart." <laughs> well, apparently he wins this race a lot. What, is it, what are the challenges of racing Pikes Peak? And how come you're so good at it?
2: Oh well, I think one one thing that plays a note is obviously I've been there sixteen times, and, mm-hmm. and like I said, you know already cars are not intimidating to me. The mountain isn't. Is do you get not, to do practice runs though? I you mean, do, on a track you can run on a track.
1: Is there a, is there a video game where you can? Do there hasn't peak? been
2: till just recently <clears throat> that any video game had it, but. To give you some perspective on it, so how do you practice? It's basically the length of Nordschleife, the the long version of Nurburgring. Okay. So it's twelve and a half miles long. We practice it in thirds. So one morning we practice the bottom third. Next morning we practice the middle. Then the top third. You only get about two or three runs in each section. And the first time you've driven it from bottom to top is on race day. So if you can imagine going to Nurburgring driving three laps and then saying, okay, I'm going to go race. (laughs) That's basically what you're doing. So those 16 years of me running there and kind of coming back to it and letting it percolate for a whole year of where everything is, that's really an advantage for me because I just am so familiar with it. And the interesting thing is, like in 1993, before I ever even raced there, I shot a commercial, and a lot of the commercial was from the air, from helicopter. I still... You visualize sections of Pikes Peak from the air. When wow. I come into and I turn into this big sweeping left mm-hmm. where you can't see all the way around, I just look, uh, suddenly have this vision from overhead of how the next four or five corners link together, and I drive to that. Can and then, you
0: go up the hill anytime? Yeah, you near? can go
2: in your personal cars and drive up, but obviously you aren't taking the racing line. You aren't mm-hmm. at any nearer near the speed or anything, so that part is a little bit hard to do, but. Um, you know, for me, it's been that I've been there so often and, and I've really had good cars. You know, I've just I, I've run 12 different Porsches there over 16 years. So it's been, you know, I I, I feel like I wear the car. You know I, I really, you know, I put that car on and I'm just ready to you go. You wear it, right. So I say that about really Porsches good. all the time. They yeah. feel like, yeah. you
1: know, it, I, I haven't heard wear before, but I always, I say it feels like the best pair of Nikes you just yeah. put on your feet. Yeah. And, or someone famously said Superman suit. You yeah. feel like you just, now I can do things Superman can do. What about uh, elevation and we- weather up yeah. there? What, so, what happens there? How, what's the elevation change in that race?
2: Well, it, it basically starts at about 9,000 feet and finishes at 14,000 feet. So it's a so mile of elevation change so you end up with about pop? <laughs> you aren't thinking about that but, <laughs> but you end up with about 36 percent less power so oh, okay you know just to give you some idea and, and that's an normally aspirated car right. in the cup car i drove in 2010 that's essentially 450 horsepower car at sea level at the starting line it was 375 horsepower wow at the finish line it was 285 horsepower wow so okay. it gives you an idea of how Craig and yeah, ants. yeah how much and you really do feel it then i went from 2010 to 2011 drove a gt2rs with 620 horsepower and suddenly it was like runaway car this thing, <laughs> this thing is ripping and it, and it pulled all the way to the summit and mm-hmm. in a way that i'd never felt in a car and so then that led to the current car that i'm driving which is a cup car, but with a twin-turbo motor in it. So basically a GT2 motor in it, but with about 800 horsepower. Yeah. Can you imagine car. a GT2 so. RS
0: up there, Zuckerman? Uh, well, I'm trying to figure out, you know, we've <laughs> talked about car altitude. I'm t- I want to know, do you have a normal fear level? <laughs> you must yeah, not. Yeah, no. You must not. He doesn't. You must not feel fear the way we do.
2: Well, I'm probably fearful of things you aren't fearful of. <laughs> you know, it all is <clears throat> relative. But. Uh, you say that, <laughs> no. but I
0: think that race car drivers, fighter pilots, Yeah sociopaths they just, <laughs> they just don't have normal fear levels <laughs> they get, they say oh that seems like something i can do i yeah, want to do that and the average yeah. person's like i'm not doing that well, it, there's it, no way the no. funny the no. funny thing
2: is i have to i wear oxygen my, now you, you know did. because cuz the new car i'm driving is so much more physical and i've watched people drive with oxygen you know for years there and never thought i needed it and then i got in my car in like 2013 and i'm going well i'm really busy in here and I started wearing oxygen, and that makes a difference. And, but it goes across the board the same way the engine doesn't have any oxygen. You, you don't. personally don't. Mm-hmm. Break, so that affects your brain and your, your, your reaction. don't get it. But I think it's, if you're a little numb and a little slow, it's not as scary. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, what booze so, is you know, for. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so you don't want to have too much oxygen because, man, it sharpens you up, and it's scary. <laughs> so.
1: Wow. That's just amazing. Just amazing. So what is the new car you're taking up? And what, when is this race? What time of the year is uh, it? This
2: is in June. It's and in June? I actually do, you have, do
1: you have rain? Do you have snow or ice up there? We do you, have you ever deal everything.
2: with that? everything. I've finished in snowstorms. So
1: does somebody inspect the track? Do they go, or you're just winging it? You
2: you go out. The car's go in about a two or three minute interval. And you just take off. And you are sitting at the starting line, literally looking straight ahead is the summit of the mountain 12 and a half miles away and you're at the starting line and yet you see the summit shrouded in dark clouds and you know it could be hailing snowing whatever they give you a weather kind of update of where weather's hitting but i've been part of two races (laughs) where they were shortened where they couldn't make it to the summit and this is the middle of summer right and so it's really it's it's totally an organic thing that Changes all the time. And how many and,
1: b- how many uh, racers are competing? Uh, yeah,
2: around a hundred cars and around 70, cars. 70 bikes. And uh, so, the bikes. Yeah, so <laughs> those Zuckerman. are the real fearless your clients. Yeah. Zuckerman. Well, no, your future clients just don't have a fear <laughs> a fear gene.
1: <laughs> Zuckerman calls motorcyclists organ donors. Uh, That's what well. he calls them. <laughs> so he's just like it's how he makes his money. He converts how, how many that times have you won?
2: Uh, I'm an eight time class champion. Wow. So. Okay, that's cool. what about overall? Overall I've not won, but I did have a fun uh, <clears throat> moment uh where when you think about it, that my three my two main drivers in my world of filmmaking are Reese Millen and Paul Dollenbach, those two guys. And one year we qualified, Reese qualified first overall, I qualified second overall, and Paul Dollenbach qualified third overall. And you think about and it's this is an international event where people come from all over the world, and the three of us that have basically hung out and worked together all our oh, lives. Boys. We all we were first, second, and third at that event. What so. what
0: wins overall? What, um, what these kind?
2: days, electric cars. Electric cars uh, are the fastest up there because really? they're not affected by the altitude. They're not affected by you know, they have almost unlimited power. So um, the electric cars are the fastest. However, the record holder is. Um, Sebastian Loeb and the Peugeot and that happened about five years ago now, four years ago. So, and he still holds the record.
1: You know, I have a, a, a bunch of listener questions. Lots of people write in all the time. We we haven't gotten to any for a while but we had a lot of Porsche-centric questions because Emery and Seinfeld were on and, and I didn't get to them. Should we, let's do some questions sure. right now. This will be <laughs> okay. fun. What? All right. And then we'll, uh, we'll end the show with Mr. Zwart. Um, oh, here we go. All right. This is from, and, You know, the names aren't, they're just IG monikers. So this is PSI Mac. Uh, Do you guys think the 924, 944 will ever, he said every, ever be collectible? The 928 is showing signs of it. But what about the others' front-engined Porsches? What do, you, what do you think, Jeff? <laughs> well, I, I think... Collectible. The, he's saying collectible. Yeah. Well, yeah. you can collect anything <laughs> that you want. You can collect stones from the beach. So, yes, in that regard, <laughs> they're collectible. You, uh, can collect uh, you can collect them. Uh, you can collect clippings of grass, if you like. But what he's saying <laughs> is, should I buy something like that? Will my money be safe? Uh, or will I make a little money? Or, or, or what? They made a lot of those cars, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, they made quite a few cars. But finding good ones is still pretty hard. <clears> and, you know... A nice 944 GTS or a 924 GTS or uh, you know even the later 968s, the turbocharged cars or they, they're good and everybody likes to tell new stories in the Porsche world, right? And you know you kind of there's all these 911s out there that are telling one story and have gotten all very valuable. You can come in on something like this and show up at a concor or a track mm-hmm. event and I mean truly the 944 924 platform was an amazing track balanced car really a lot of fun to drive so i think that the value is in that because they're kind of a new fresh story for porsche and it's not like porsche's not building front engine water-cooled cars right now so there is some kind of current <laughs> right. things to relate to that's you know, good answer. have you have
1: you ever owned one of these cars uh, any, any owned of us? One and, and i remember but i i looking, look, think about it
0: I, I i think i was looking at a nine did they make a 944 cup yeah, and, they, and, yes, they and I was mm-hmm. looking at one mm-hmm. of those, and I was looking at a GTS, and I've always, I've always been right there, ready to kind of do it, and then said, "Well, would I ever really drive it? Would I ever drive?" It? So I think it's a valid choice, and I think it's a good entry point for somebody who's priced out of a nine yeah. eleven market. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. I
1: like that telling telling an, a new story. Here's someone, Zuckerman, The question for you, for all of us, really. How do you spell the money? The money. Well, you're <laughs> the one that coined it. You're the one. that I didn't noticed, coin it. I noticed you were saying it a lot. Okay, you noticed
0: my locution.
1: <laughs> you noticed my excitement at, at the subject of will money. we frequently say, get to get off the phone. He goes, look, I gotta go. I gotta make the money. I gotta make <laughs>
0: the money,
1: and that's now entered the vernacular of this Spikes right, car radio. Right. The fans so, really love you, it. There will be it, t-shirts you, and hats,
0: but. But spell it however you damn well please. Just get a lot of it while you have a chance. <laughs>
1: That's right, all of you. Get the money and spend it on Porsches. It's yes, impulsively, recklessly, and ill-conceived. <laughs> <laughs> what do you hear about? Um, Anything new Porsche is rolling out? Do you have any inside uh, mm-hmm. word on that, Jeff?
2: Swart? Oh, geez. Uh, yeah. I've been know. hearing I've
1: been hearing a little bit about a speedster. Um, some, uh, and we know he knows whether he's going <laughs> to say it. We know it or he not? knows.
0: We know he knows. Really? I can tell yeah. you
2: something that's happening new for Pikes Peak next year for me at least okay. is that um, there's a GT4 Club Sport, which is the Cayman-based you know race car they're building. Mm-hmm. So next year at Pikes Peak, there will actually be a class just for those cars. So oh, the wow. club sport GT4 will be there, and I actually will be coaching that class next year. Uh, so they're hoping to have eight to ten cars run in that class and and let them all go at it e- with each other. We as, should do on the that.
0: There you go. We what? should do that. What? We should go. We should run Pikes Peak one day. Oh my God, <laughs> We can be the slowest ones up the hill. <laughs> <laughs> Time for the night. Yeah. Are you glass. gonna be my navigator? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll do it. Um, Let's see. Stu White has a question. If the the factory Porsche formula is so good, oh, that's for Rod Emery. Forget that. We don't <laughs> want to do that. He's like, why do you modify cars? Well, obviously, <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> to make we them like your it. own. Yeah, because <laughs> we like it. <laughs> Someone wants to know if I Photoshop my hair. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. I think that's a compliment. I, I guess that means my hair looks good. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll tweak it if I, I need to. But no, in the photo you're talking about, which I think is the the, the logo for the show, no, it's not photoshopped. <laughs> Come down here and say that to my face, and I'll beat you senseless like Zuckerman does. <laughs> Do you think interest in non Speedster 356s uh, is on the decline? Says it's not a GSR. Post baby boomer generations are more interested in early 911s. It seems. Sort. I've got a pre A. that has a canoe on the roof of it right now. (laughs) That's the most beautiful. If you haven't checked Jeff Swart's Instagram, is it at Swart? Yeah, at Swart. At Swart. Um, Amazing photographs and amazing photography. And I, I remember seeing that picture.
2: Yeah, well, it's just, I think that they're so simple. They're so balanced and charming. And I love the fact, you know, It's with the horsepower it has, which is less than sixty horsepower, and the width of the tires, which are three and a quarter inches wide. Right, right. right. And 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 it's just the balance of it. The limits are so low, you can just drive it and move around in it. And to me, it's like. It, it's all relative, you know, the width of the tire matches the power of the engine yeah. and the suspension performance performs as it should. So it's really cool. And I put studded snow tires on it in the winter, drive it in the snow in the winter, drive it on gravel roads in the summer, go camping and canoeing with it. And it's just been, you know, It and it, talk about unintimidating. There's really nothing that can go wrong. And I often say to people, you know, if you told me to be in New York City next Wednesday— I w- out of the old cars I have, I'd choose the Pre A, which is nineteen fifty three. Oh. But I would choose it because it can roll along at seventy miles an hour. And honestly, with a plug wire, a spark plug, a coil, and you know, electrical tape, <laughs> you can pretty much so fix everything.
1: <laughs> so I'm wow, not there too you worried. go. Wow, what a sales pitch. <laughs> well, that, I I think, let's buy I some 356s, in Zuckerman. Uh-huh. Yeah,
0: it's an entry price thing. The uh, three fifty six mm. is kind of expensive. ...to get into, which can be intimidating. Stuff
1: is coming down. You know, we never really got into a market conversation this past weekend with our uh, salesman buddies... But uh, from what I hear, stuff is coming down. Yep. sales yeah. are hard to close. It's all good news. Good all news good unless news. you're in them already <laughs> and you bought. <bother laughs> but Shut stuff up. is getting affordable. I also love that you throw your dog in your car. I mean, yeah. you really use that car. It's not, not too really precious,
0: are. and that's great. And
1: I'm loving all the Instagram shots of the Porsche people throwing. Uh, I saw a, a, a new GT3 RS with a, uh, a Christmas tree on the roof. <laughs> it like was that. so that's awesome. I, I love that. That's anyway, great. Jeff Swart, thank you for coming down here, Thanks, man. You guys. Um we we'll catch up with you anywhere else. Instagram is where Instagram's your primary the main uh, social media me And
2: then uh, watch for commercials we and love, things like that.
1: Uh, so. In my house, we love your daughter's jewelry. Uh, thank you. Asley. Aisley
2: Jewelry. Aisley. So. Is that how you yeah, pronounce Aisley jewelry, it? Aisley Jewelry. I bought so.
1: stuff from her uh, twice now oh, for wow. my wife. The last one was a home run Great. for our anniversary. Great. That means, <laughs> yep, I got sex. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> it worked really well. So Here if you want to know. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and what's that place that's going on down in Newport? What is that? Period correct. Uh, period is that correct. you?
2: Yeah, I w- I've kind of helped uh, cultivate it from behind the scenes and make sure that the message is on. But, yeah, I'm quite proud of that uh, situation. That's Brian Calvero that uh, runs that. And it's his vision of kind of the sport purpose era of all these cars in the 60s and 70s and, and the influences of that. So he's got a nice little store down so there. So it's apparel. It's apparel. It's kind of like Deus for yeah, Porsches, exactly. right? And, and uh, well, cars. for general cars, you know BMW. Yeah. Porsche, you know, uh, he's got launches. He's got all sorts of mm. things. There's Super always cool something stuff. cool on the showroom floor. Yeah, there. they so, sent.
1: You know what? They sent me a big box of that stuff for cool. car matchmaker yeah, that I yeah. wore. That I really yeah. loved. I no, really they, loved it.
2: They're a good group, and they're really pure to kind of that era, which is awesome.
1: And Zuckerman. You're at The Real Suckerman on Instagram, of course, if you've been hurt or injured in, a, in an accident. <laughs> <laughs> you'll see his ads on the bus. He's the 22222222 two, 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 two oh, guy. Oh, no, I can't take credit for that. <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to get sued by those guys. Is that a real number? That's the, Los Defensores, my friend. 1 800 <laughs> the law, too. No, he runs a very respectable shop, the number one shop in L.A. Doesn't have to advertise on buses and billboards. No, sir. <laughs> no, sir. And you can catch up with me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Spike first, and message me. uh, If you have questions, I'm happy to answer them. We'll talk to you next week on Spike's Car Radio. Real quick, before we go, when you're looking to buy a car, you want to make sure that you're getting real pricing on actual inventory. Unfortunately, a lot of times, this isn't the case. People configure cars online only later to find out they're not available. This just happened to my brother. Well... With TrueCar you get real pricing on actual inventory. This is not pricing offered by TrueCar, but pricing from an actual dealer, and not just any dealer, but a Car certified dealer. This is a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency and offering you a competitive market price. Using TrueCar, you can easily find the car you want. Next, TrueCar will show you what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. Now you know what a fair price is, so you can feel confident. And don't we all want to feel confident? Over 3 million cars have been sold to True Car users by the True Car Certified Dealer Network. There are over 13,000 True Car Certified Dealers nationwide. You will work directly with a True Car Certified Dealer contact. True Car users are more likely to enjoy a fast buying process when they connect with True Car Certified Dealers. True Car users save an average of over $3,000 off MSRP. When you're ready to buy, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. And guess what? I'm not telling you what features and what states. Thanks for listening to Spike's Car Radio. Download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com.
0: Don't you love an extra
1: $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count.